I'm really wired up today because I didn't get much sleep, so I'm, I'm just excited. <laughs> and it wasn't my kid's fault, so my own fault. So if you want to open your Bible to uh, 1 Samuel 18, we're going to kind of pick up a little bit where we left off last week. And uh, last week we were just, we looked at the book of Acts and just the DNA of the church and just the, uh, just the powerful relationships that, that uh, the people of God had in the beginning. And that's how God created us to be as his people. First um, Samuel 18. So you can get there and I'll get there too. But I want us to look at an example in the Old Testament of what I termed last week a spiritual friendship. Remember, there's four, there's four levels that people interact or have relationships. One is public, which is, that's the elevator, okay? When you like kind of say, hey, and then you look down at the floor as, as the elevator's going up. Why do we do that in elevators? I don't know. You, you look either straight ahead or you just kind of look down. You know, people don't, you don't talk in the elevators. It's just not, it's just not right. <laughs> I mean, everybody knows that. It's just an unwritten rule. But that's a public relationship. In other words, I just see someone out there and I say, hey, how are you? Then there's the casual relationship, which is, the, which is what we get during our greeting time at church. Hey, how you doing? How was your week? Good, man. Oh, it was good too. Praise the Lord. You know, and it's just, you know, we're on the, it's not necessarily bad. It's just, that's a, you know, casual. Just, hey, how are you doing? You know their name. You know a little bit about them. But you're not in a, you know, you don't see them the rest of the week. You don't talk to that person the rest of the week. That's a casual relationship. Just every once in a while I say hi and we talk for a little bit and that's it. Then the next level of a relationship is a friendship. That's, and we, I think we all know what that is. So let's not, if, if you're friends with someone. But then after that level, and this is from Pastor Kim Pittner, is the level of intimacy. But last week, as I fumbled through something, I decided I didn't want that kind of relationship guy to guy. It doesn't sound right to have intimacy, so we'll call it spiritual friendship. We'll call it, we'll call it a relationship on a deeper level. And I mean that in all seriousness. Whatever word you want to describe, I mean, if it, you know, intimacy, we're, I think most guys will say that wears me out. So fine, just come up with a different word. But the point is, it's a relationship that's not just a friendship. It's a friendship that is based and interacted with, with the Spirit of God. With, with uh, the interaction of the truth of God and the life of God, the power of God, the love of God. And see, it's that level of relationship that God calls His church to. It doesn't mean that I'll have that level with everybody, because that's impossible. You know, Proverbs said, like last week, it says, you know, a man of many companions will come to ruin. You can't be friends with everybody. And so some people, we have to be all right with just having a casual relationship. Uh, you may not be my best friend. You may be happy about that. Um, that's fine. <laughs> but, you know, that's okay. But what we need to, to realize is that God designed the church to be a group of people where there were relationships that were on a spiritual level. Not just a friendship. Not just a friendship. Because friendsh- a friendship is very strong. But anybody in the world can have a good friendship. You don't have to have Jesus to have a good friendship. Jesus should make our friendships better and deeper and more fulfilling and more, more powerful. He meant, he's means for our relationships to go beyond that level of, of I know your life, but now it's, it's, it's to the level of now I'm sharing my spiritual life with you. And certainly this should happen with, you know, if you're married with your spouse. Ooh, hello. Um, you know, certainly that starts with you and your spouse. 
I mean, the marriage relationship is a totally spiritual thing. For those of you that are single, it's not just physical, if you get what I mean. There's children in here, so I won't say the word I'm thinking of, right? How many of you are married and say it's not all just about physical? <laughs> okay, if, and maybe you're living in, you know, a different world than me. But, I mean, there's, I mean, the... the <laughs> hey, babe, how are you? <laughs> I mean, honestly, if a marriage, if a marriage relationship, if, it, if as deep as it goes is just physical, it's never going to last. It's got to go to a, an emotional level and to a spiritual level. I mean, Jesus said, I know I'm not, I'm not even preaching on marriage today, but look, Jesus said, look, this is how, you know, in Ephesians, he said, look, this is, you know, you, lay, you love your bride like I love the church. And he says, look, and, and, the, and, the, and Jesus cleanses the bride. And so there's, there's this whole spiritual relationship that's going on. And so I encourage you to, to find out how the Lord would, would deepen your relationship with your husband and your wife. Because it's meant to be spiritual. And look, I will be the first one to admit um, that sometimes that's, I don't know if it's hard for men or it's hard for me. I'm, I'm kind of like a private, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those private people. Right? Does everybody... Gary Coe knows that, right? My wife knows that. Edie attests to that. Okay. We can stop now. <laughs> we can... Okay. We got, we, we've made the point. We have two or three witnesses. It's true. <laughs> so, um, let me get a drink. Sometimes that's not the easiest thing. But I know that the Lord is challenging me to say, look, we need to, I need to find a way to engage my wife and my family on a spiritual level. You know what? There's no, there's no blueprint for that. You can't just get it out of a book and say this is that. Uh, it doesn't work like that. Uh, and it doesn't have to, you know, it doesn't mean, okay, we're going to do something like church. We're going to sing a few songs and then the dad gets up and shares a message and everybody closes their eyes and prays. It, no, it's not, it, you're not supposed to duplicate something else. It's supposed to be fresh in your family. What does a spiritual relationship look like with you? I don't know. But it's a relationship where the Holy Spirit is in the center, where there's openness, where there's trust, where there's honesty, where there's vulnerability, and there's a, there's a spiritual life that's there because I'm connecting with your spirit on a deeper level than just my soul, than just my emotions and my will. You go deeper in your spirit because we're all joined by the Holy Spirit. So, we're done preaching on marriage. We're going we're gonna to step back a little bit. You, you can't go as deep with this other relationship, but God also calls us to have relationships with one another that are on a spiritual level, a spiritual friendship. If we stop at friendship, we're missing what the church is called to be. Because people see the church in Acts 2 and Acts 4 and all that, as we looked at last week, they were drawn in. Now, it wasn't just the relationship. I'm focusing in on that. I'm not saying that's the only thing there is because there's the mission of the church and there's the power of God as well in, in the book of Acts. Those are the three main things is you've got the mission is to get the gospel to all creation, to get people into the kingdom, to make disciples. That's the first thing is the mission joins us together. But then on the mission, we are joined in relationship. And as we go on the mission, the power of God is released on the mission and in our relationships. Jesus said, you'll, you'll know my disciples by their love for one another. 
In other words, it's going to be better and deeper than anything else anybody can see outside of the church. That's a, that's a big deal. That's a deep thing. I'm not saying this is easy. I, I, I just believe that God is continually trying to woo us into that. That if we have those relationships with one another, not all of us, but with a few, with one or two. Men, who is, who is the person that you confide in spiritually? You don't have... Thank you for saying... <laughs> John's interactive today. I like that. If you don't have somebody that you interact spiritually with, that you can have praying for you, that you, that you, you, know, you talk beyond a friendship level with, I encourage you to find someone. I mean, there's, there's, got, there's guys in here that are probably hungry for that. We're probably hungry for it. We don't even know. We don't know how to say it because we're men, right? Hey, can I have a spiritual friendship with you? <laughs> no way, buddy. I'm going to a different church now. So <laughs> that's just freaky. <laughs> it's not going to jump to that level right away. <laughs> hey, if that works for you, go for it. You know, use it. But come up, maybe come up with a different line. But, but God is saying, look, there's something more than, than just settling for good relationships. How about God relationships? How about something deeper? And you know what? There's, there's seasons too. You're not always, there may be times where you don't have that person. And that's, that's okay as long as it's just a season. If it, when the season becomes like a permanent fixture, get yourself in trouble. And we're going to look at the life of David with his spiritual friend, Jonathan, today. And I think there's some really cool stuff that we're going to pull out. So let's, let's get to it. No, I got to pick on the men. I didn't pick on the ladies. So ladies, ask yourself that same question, but with a lady, not another man. So 1 Samuel 18, um, verse 1, says this. After David had finished talking with Saul, this is right after David killed Goliath, by the way. Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. And it says, whatever Saul sent in to do, David did so so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. So here's here's the start of Jonathan and David's friendship. It says their their souls were knit together. They became one in spirit. There was a connection that happened, and it was on a spiritual level. It It was something that, you know, this is a God thing too. Look, this is not something we have to figure out but let the holy spirit lead you to these relationships because in this in this moment right here yeah it shouldn't be hard it it should be something that's natural and hey you you know god god makes the connection but i have to be willing to step into it i have to be willing to not just you know when we say god does it sometimes we act this is how we respond god does it do it (laughs) i mean isn't that what we do sometimes and God's just saying, hey, walk forward over here. It's not that hard. He's not, he's not giving us something that we can't do that he hasn't empowered us to do. But he might say, hey, see that person over there? Get together with him for coffee for a few weeks and see what happens. Get together, with lunch, get together for lunch with him. Meet. Get up earlier. Stay up later. Something. Make time. Don't neglect your family. 
You know, this isn't about replacing your time with your family with someone else, but it is about getting people around you, brothers and sisters, brothers for brothers, sisters for sisters, that will lift us up and where we can share things on a deep level. And there's several things that happen uh, when that happens. So let's look at First Samuel 19. And what I want, I mean, David and Jonathan are just, you know, they're the example of like best friends in the Old Testament. You know, they're the, they're the one big example we have. But I think they were more than just best friends. There was, there was something deeper there. So in, in uh, 19, it says, Saul, 19 verse 1, sorry, 19 verse 1, Saul told his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David. Why did this happen? Let me, let's rewind to chapter 18 just a little bit. Basically, Saul becomes jealous of David. After David kills Goliath, he's pretty popular. I mean, as you can imagine, if there's a nine and a half foot guy who's taunting your army and everyone's scared to fight him and the whole army and the king are scared, the guy that shows up that does this, bam, took care of him. Get off me, giant. Everybody knows who that guy is now. They may not have known his name before, but everybody knew David's name in the nation in that one instant. Instant fame. And so, you know, Saul, as the king, was not secure in who, got, who, who he was called to be. He was not secure at all in himself. And he becomes jealous of David to the point to where here he's telling all his people. Even though David had come to his house every day, played music for him, all kinds of stuff. He says, we're going to kill David. So it says, but Jonathan was very fond of David. And warned him, my father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into hiding and stay there. I will go out and stand with my father in the field. I'll speak to him about you and I will tell you what I find out. And I'm on, I'm on the wrong scripture right here. Uh, I am reading point number two. <laughs> Oh, here it is. Nope, I'm right. Sorry, that sleep is catching up here. So, verse 4. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you, and what he has done has benefited you greatly. He took his life in his hands when he killed the Philistine. That's Goliath. The Lord won a great victory for all Israel, and you saw it and were glad. Why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? And Saul listened to Jonathan and took this oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. So what, what I want you to notice here is, after I got unconfused, is, is the fact that something happens here because they have this spiritual connection, this relationship. And, and what is released here is spiritual protection. Did you notice that? In, in chapter 18, it says a violent, evil spirit comes upon Saul. So Saul has now given himself over to demonic powers. He is now being influenced by a destructive uh, demon that wants to kill David, that wants to stop the, the anointed one from coming to the throne. Because David was the one that was prophesied that he would come to the throne and he would be the foreshadow of Jesus. So look, this is, this is a diabolical plan. It's not just Saul's insecurity. It's Saul's insecurity and hate empowered by something from the enemy. So he's coming with a hate for David that's straight from hell. And Jonathan, who is a spiritual, who is connected with David in his heart, stands up to that spirit and says, No, you're not going to have David. 
And we all need someone in our lives who is willing to stand for us spiritually, who is willing to stand in the gap when we may not be able to fight for ourselves. David in that moment could not stand before Saul and make his case. Someone else had to stand in. Someone else had to intercede. Someone else had to make a way for for David not to be killed. And in that moment, Jonathan moved by the Holy Spirit, I believe. Stands in the gap, the gap of between Saul and David. And spiritual protection happens in spiritual relationships. What happens later? Um, turn to chapter 20. We're, we're kind of just scrolling through it real quick here. There, you can read the whole, whole account later this afternoon if you want to fill in all the details. But basically what happens is so Saul calms down for a while. So Jonathan kind of halts that spiritual attack on David's life. And so things kind of go back to normal for a little bit. But then, you know, it, it, Saul begins to be stirred again by this hate, by this jealousy. But, I mean, you know, that, anytime you get jealous of someone, it's just not going to, nothing good is going to come from that. I mean, that's just, I mean, isn't that how the devil went out of heaven? I mean, was that the first sin or was it pride or was, I mean, they're all bad, but man, jealousy is like, man, I don't want all the glory to go into God. I want some of that. And so it's, it's always a bad idea. And so basically what happens is David and, David and Jonathan get together and Jonathan again says, look, we, you know, we gotta, we gotta figure out what to do in this situation. I'm going to see if my father is really going to if he's going to kill you for, for real this time. And so in verse 18 it says, Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow morning, tomorrow is the new moon festival. You will, you will be missed because your seat will be empty. In other words, David came to Saul's table to eat every day. It was part of, you know, he, he got back in his place there. The day after tomorrow, toward evening, go, into the, go to the place where you hid when this trouble began, that same place, and wait by the stone as easel. I will shoot three arrows to the side of it as though I were shooting at a target. Then I will send a boy and say, go find the arrows. If I say to him, look, the arrows are on this side of you, bring them here. Then come, because as surely as the Lord lives, you are safe. There is no danger. But if I say to the boy, look, the arrows are beyond you, then you must go because the Lord has sent you away. And about the matter you and I discuss, remember, the Lord is witness between you and me forever and so basically what happens here is is again jonathan is consulting he's going to see how saul his father is feeling okay and so what this is is they have this whole dialogue they have this they have this this time where where they're giving david is or jonathan is giving david counsel man there is there is nothing like spiritual counsel from someone else that you have a spiritual you have a connection with on a deep level I mean, we all, and it's, it's, we all have people, too, that we just go to. We may not have that deep relationship, but we just look to them as a wise person. And that's, that's great, too. But it, it's also great. It's, you know, Scripture says with, you know, with many advisors, you know, the plan will succeed. You know, you'll be successful. Um, if you do it on your own, it's gonna, it might come to ruin. And so David and Jonathan are in this time of spiritual counsel. Man, there's nothing like where you can bounce something off someone else and say, Man, I hear God saying this. What do you think? 
and you're not afraid of what they're going to say, where they actually have permission to say, I think you're off base. I think you're, you're skewing the situation. Or where the person can say, they also have the freedom to say, man, I think that you're right on. My spirit right now is just saying, yeah. And it's not just someone saying that to you. It's not just lip service. It's someone who's really saying, I, I sense the Lord is saying that to you. I'm going to agree with you. You need those people that, are gonna, that you're going to have spiritual counsel with. You're going to have that time where you share, share your life together. And so that's what David and Jonathan do here. They have this time where they're, they're talking back and forth. That's what chapter 20 is. David's like, how about this? And Jonathan's like, here you go. Let's do this. So he says, I'm going to go back to my father. And so he goes back to his father. And, and if, you, if you don't know the story, um, he goes back and, and Saul becomes angry. And he becomes so angry with Jonathan that he tries to kill his own son, Jonathan. I mean, which, you know, at that point, he's just totally been taken over by this, this, this diabolical, you know, spirit or attitude that was coming out of Saul. And so, you know, they meet together once again in the field and, you know, they shoot the arrows. I'm still not sure why they shoot the arrows. Have you ever, have you read it? You know, they do the arrows and say, it's beyond you. And then the boy gets the arrow and and Jonathan says, hey, go home, you know, take the arrows back. And then so David comes out and they talk and hug. Why do they just not meet out at the rock? (laughs) When I say, hey, just meet me out at the rock, I'll tell you. Uh, You know, there's there's some symbolism there that I'm probably not catching. So I'll just say that's my fault. But, you know, they have this time and then it says they hug each other and they they kiss each other. And, you know, that which was appropriate in that culture, you know, that was nothing... Nothing weird. I know some people try to twist the scriptures to make that, you know what I'm talking about? It's not in there, okay? <laughs> it's not in there. This was, this was a, a pure, spiritual, deep relationship between two men, the way God intended it to be. Nothing else. And, it's, and so they, they, they hug each other and they say goodbye. David has to go into hiding and he begins to run. He has to run from Saul and... He has to, you know, run for his life, basically. So there's spiritual protection, spiritual counsel. Here's the third one. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 23. And basically, David begins to, to travel, travel around and, and run from Saul. And, and it says Saul begins to pursue David. And, you know, they have all these encounters where, um, you know, after this, David's going to spare Saul's life a couple of times. Uh, until finally David takes the throne later. But there's an interesting little section there uh, in the middle of all this as David's running. And it's 1 Samuel 23, verse 15. And David was just had a group of men, and he was just going from hideout to hideout, basically. He's, in the, he's out in the deserts, and he's out in the, the cities, and he's just hiding out. So while David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. What's new? And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh, and look at this, and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horesh. See, I mean, this is something amazing here. David, I mean, you've got to feel that David at this point was kind of getting 
weary. You know, when you got someone trying to kill you, I mean, with us, maybe physically we couldn't understand that. But, man, we've had, if you've ever had a spiritual attack where something is trying to take you out, just take you out of the, out of the game, man, that's, that thing can wear you out because it's almost like you're moving from place to place and, you know, you, you keep getting tracked down. You know, David finds a new hideout and then Saul, he, here's word of where he's at. So he, he comes to him again. But Jonathan, it says, he comes to him and helps David find strength in God. Man, there's something that happens when you join together with a brother or a sister who you are in a relationship with that is God-ordained, that is empowered by the Holy Spirit, that's a spiritual connection where spiritual strength can actually be imparted to one another. We were never meant to do this on our own. We were meant to have someone to come alongside of us and sometimes help me find strength in God. And see, here's the thing about Jonathan... Man, Jonathan is totally being unselfish here. And it's not, I'm not just hyping him up just because he has the same name as me. Okay? But, I mean, Jonathan is in line for the throne, but he chooses to lay that aside because he knows that God has called David to be king instead of him. I mean, here's the deal. Saul was a, turned out to be a loser. That's not who he was meant to be, but he went down that path. He was, he was a, a, a spiritual failure and, and you know, ultimately ends up being an evil, wicked man and dies. And his life is miserable. But man, look at his son, Jonathan. Don't you think Jonathan at some point might have been, man, I'm different. God, I'm going to be different than my dad. I'm going to rule with justice. and I'm going to rule with integrity. And I'm going to rule with love. You know what? Jonathan would have. Jonathan would have been just as good of a king as David. You can see the heart of Jonathan all through these passages. That Jonathan was a man of integrity. But because he was a man of God and a man of integrity, he was also able to say to his friend, You go! You go farther! You go higher than me! Man, that's tough. Because you know that little friendly rivalry you get with someone you're close to? You want to beat them in basketball or... Or whatever. Everything. You know. I, mean, I, I bet you saw. I mean Jonathan and David. They had some slingshot contests. You know. David's like. Let me show you. He's, Jonathan's like. Well if I would have been there that day. I could have taken out the giant. Don't. Okay. Let's. You know. Set up little cans on the rocks. I mean they had some. They were guys man. They had some contests. They were like. Let's arm wrestle and stuff. And you know. <laughs> but because their relationship. Was centered in the Lord. Jonathan was able to say, you go way farther than me, you be way more famous than me, and I'm going to step aside and let you walk in your destiny in God. Man, that's a real relationship right there. And see, that's a kingdom relationship because we're meant to have those relationships with one another where we empower and release them to go higher. Maybe you're the one that does go higher, but at some point, someone else who you're in a relationship with, you're going to watch soar. And that's where we have the temptation to be like, either like Saul or like Jonathan. Saul chose to become jealous of the Davids. I wish I had that fame. I wish I had that ministry. I wish I had that family. I wish I had that job. I wish I had whatever. Man, God, why are they so blessed? Why is it a struggle for me? Or we can choose to be like a Jonathan. Jonathan. 
man, you go in your destiny. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheer you on. I'm going to push you on. No, you don't need to settle for, for less than the best. You are called to something higher. And I'm going to step aside and even let you take my place in some things. Because I believe in you and because I love you. Man, that's what the early church was doing. I mean, think about Acts chapter 6. They have, these, they have a disturbance in the church. Everything is going, woo, perfect. And then somebody starts complaining. <laughs> and says, our people aren't getting fed. Our lady, our widows are not getting fed. And so the apostles come together. And they say, we're not doing anything about this. But we're going to, you know, that's not our job. <laughs> and they say, but we're going to appoint seven guys who are full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. We're going to lay hands on them. And then they're going to help serve the widows. And they lay hands on these dudes. And then they start doing miracles like crazy. I mean, I, do you ever see Philip serving like the widows? I mean, how about Stephen? <laughs> it's like, did those guys do their job? Yeah, they did. But they were released to something more. That, that in the church, in the beginning, it was meant to where, man, you didn't look at someone as who they were. You looked at someone as who they would become. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the transforming power of God, through the renewing of the mind as they grow daily. And so if we're going to be like a Jonathan, then we'll see someone else strengthened in the Lord and released into their destiny. Because, man, that's selfless right there. When I'm going to lay down my life and my priorities and maybe even some of the things that I'd like to do for someone else. That's the kingdom. I mean, that's what Jesus did. Look at John the Baptist when Jesus showed up. He has the same heart. It's the heart of a servant. The heart, heart of the kingdom of God is for one another. For I'm, I'm so excited about what you're doing. In our culture, it's, we're, our culture is geared to have us excited about what we're doing. Lord, what's, what's your will for my life? I mean, see how even, I mean, that's not necessarily a bad prayer, but if you look at a lot of our prayers and a lot of our focus, it ends up being about, Lord, what's my spiritual gift? How can I grow? How can I do this? How can I get to my destiny? When it was meant to be, we're in relationship with one another, I go, John, you're going to do it. You're going to do what God has called you to do. It's going to happen. I believe in you. And I'm not just making that up right now. It's not just a, a sermon. This is I believe in you. And you know what? It means I'm going to look at John as I'm using him as an example. And I'll see him right now. And he may not be who he's supposed to be. But I want to see past that, Lord. I want to see what you're calling him to. I don't want to limit who he is by who I see now. I want to take off the box and take off the limits and say, No, God, you're going to bring, you're going to bring him into something greater. Man, there's a, there's a young man in Austin, Texas right now. His name's John. John Vasquez. He was at my wedding. I don't have many examples of John Vasquez's in my life, but I, I pray that I have more. Man, my brother and I kind of taught John to play the guitar. Mostly my brother, you know. I still remember the first time he got up at youth group and played with us. It was on the song, I Could Sing of Your Love Forever. And he would get up. And he, stood, he remembers this time too. We've even talked about it. He got up and, you know, 
he was a natural. I mean, he just flowed. Just he just he just did it. You know what is John doing now? Well, he he leads worship at a church of about two thousand. He travels around. He's he's played with Jesus culture. Um, he's you know he was hanging out at Kim Walker's and her husband's house two weeks ago. He's making guitar pedals for all these other worship leaders all over the place. He's he's just he's he's just flying. He's soaring. And does everybody end up in, with something that looks big like that? No. I'm excited because it you know he's just walking in his destiny. And you know what? It'd be real easy for me to say, man, I I'm pretty good too, aren't I? Why can't I lead worship for two thousand people? I mean, that's the reality, right? Don't we face those questions? Why can't I do that, God? You know what his answer is? There it was. Did you hear it? <laughs> Nada. He doesn't, he doesn't answer that question usually. Nope, no comment, huh? <laughs> Let me check back with you on that, God. <laughs> but man, when you, when you step back, you know, and, and sometimes it's easier than others. Man, it's like, man, John, that's so amazing. I just, I just love seeing you walk in your calling and who God has called you to be. And you know what? As we lay kind of our, our own priorities down sometimes for one another, I mean, isn't that what the Bible says? You know, we consider others better than ourselves. Then someone else is lifting me up. I mean, see, it's, you're, we're not really losing. We're all winning. It's a win-win. It looks like a loss to the world. But it's a win-win. And so I encourage you. Um, you know, God, God is calling us to some deeper stuff. And he's calling us out. Maybe he's talking to you about your, your spouse and your children. Maybe he's talking about another relationship. Um, you know, but I encourage you to, to take some steps. Pray and ask the Lord. Say, you know, Lord, is there someone you've called me to connect with on a deeper level? And they may not look like the person, you know, we have the real easy ones, you know. Maybe try to think outside the box. I'm not saying force it to happen outside the box. I'm just saying consider a bigger box and see what happens. See what God says to you and see how your life is changed. So, Father, I just thank you for this morning that you have, you have just filled us with joy. You've done some amazing things, God. You've spoken to us, yeah, Lord, in a powerful way in so many different ways. And I praise you, Lord, that you are above all. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to lead us to go deeper in relationships with you and with one another. Father, make us, make us a church that is so different because we have the life of God and just the love of God flowing like, like no one else. And I don't, I don't want to pray that selfishly, God. I, I pray that that's released on the body of Christ. But we want that. Lord, we, we, want, we want the book of Acts. Lord, we want every part of the book of Acts. Lord, I don't, want, I don't just want the miracles. I don't just want the deep relationships. I don't just want the unity. I want it all. Lord, and we're asking for you to lead us, for you to empower us, for you to guide us, that we will walk step by step and we will be stronger each and every day as we follow you. Lord, help us. Lord, help us see the benefit. Lord, open our eyes. Lord, if we're in a desert right now, that you would show us if there's someone who's supposed to walk with us through the wilderness. Lord, let us see people who are walking through the wilderness that we might need to go reach out to. Lord, it looks like they're lost in the desert. They're just wandering around. But Lord, you've called us to go to them and help them find strength in God. You've called us to go to them and be a, 
be a barrier, be a, be a, be a gap, be, a, be a, a defense between them and a spiritual attack. Lord, you've called us to share our lives together with them and to bring spiritual counsel, Father. You've called us to speak into their lives and call forth their destinies and call forth who you've called them to be. And so we ask you to do that. Holy Spirit, thank you for leading us. Thank you, Lord. We thank you that you are good. And we rejoice in you in Jesus' name. Amen.